thank you for your presence in this place. And may we participate with what you are doing in healing the world. And so we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Good morning, friends. A gift to worship with you, a gift to sing with you. For those of you watching online on Facebook, on newlife.nyc, on YouTube, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life. And if you are joining us, I'm so thrilled that you're worshiping with us. And if you are in the room here, so glad that you are with us as well. At the end of our service, I'll be downstairs with some of our pastors and leaders. And if we've never met before, please make your way to us before you head out of the building. Uh, I would love to meet you before you head out. We are in a series to start off 2023 focusing on discerning God's will, discernment, learning how to discover God's will for your life. And last week we kicked off the series and I want to encourage you to check out that sermon from last week because it really serves as the foundation to discerning God's will. Last week I talked about what it means to delight in God's will, to actually to desire God's will. And if we don't start at that place, no matter what steps, no matter what principles, no matter what tools you receive, is not going to do any good because the first step to discerning God's will is actually wanting to desire and delight in God's will. And so today we're going to take a different look as to what it means to discern God's will. And as I think about the myriad of ways to do this, uh, I want to focus on one area in particular. How do we discern God's will? Well, it means that we must prioritize Scripture. How do we discern God's will? It means that we use our head. It means that we listen to our hearts. It means that we listen and, and, and receive wisdom from the community. But what I want to focus on is listening to our hearts. How do we discern our hearts in the process of discerning God's will? How do we listen to our feelings? How do we listen to our emotions, our hearts, as it relates to discerning God's will? And we're going to look at a passage of scripture, Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 12 and verse 13, and I'm going to explore some things that Paul says here and connect it to the, pros uh, the, the, the prospect and the project of Discernment, And so Philippians 2, you can follow on the screen, you can follow in your Bible, you can follow on your phone. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I want to focus particularly on verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Every person who loves God and seeks to follow Jesus must wrestle with a couple of questions as it relates to our discipleship as it relates to us following Jesus, as it relates to our spiritual formation. Two important questions, especially as it relates to discerning God's will. 
The first question is this. What do you think Jesus is saying to you at this point in your life in the context of the challenges and opportunities you are facing? Followers of Jesus, this should be a question that we wrestle with on a regular basis. What do you think Jesus is saying to you at this point in your life in the context and the challenges and opportunities that you are facing? And the second question is just as important. What indicators give you some measure of confidence that it is indeed Jesus speaking to you rather than someone or something else. How do we know it's Jesus actually speaking to us as opposed to someone or something else? Now, one of the challenges of discerning God's will is we must learn how to delineate and set aside what is the voice of Jesus and the influence of Jesus and what is something else. And I can't tell you as a pastor here for 15 years how many times people have been afraid of a question like this and afraid of discerning God's will altogether. There are times where people say that they have been trained to actually do their parents' will as opposed to doing God's will. And I'm not talking about high school people. I'm talking about 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds who are somehow living not to please Jesus first and foremost, but to do the will of mom and dad. How many know what I'm talking about here? And so the pressure that comes our way, we must learn how to distinguish and to discern God's voice from the competing voices around us. And it is often very difficult to do this. And yet this is an important question, these two, to help us discern God's will. Because in a given year, many of us have a lot of important decisions that require discerning God's will. Questions like, should I purchase a home or should I continue to rent? Questions like, should I homeschool my children or should I send them to public school? Questions like, which major should I study in college? Questions like, should this dating relationship continue or should it like the prophetess Beyonce says, uh, to the left, to the last, uh, everything you own in the box to the left. When we started New Life East on Long Island, our elders met many times to discern God's will, God's timing. Should we as a community expand and go elsewhere to, to reach other people with the good news of Jesus Christ? Where should we go? What's the right timing? There's lots of questions in a given year that we must wrestle with. And as we begin this message, I want you to hold this before you. What decision do you need to discern? What issue do you need to discern? Where do you need God's voice and God's uh, guidance and the Holy Spirit's leading in your life? And this is an important decision because the ways that we typically make decisions is often not grounded in discernment. Last week I mentioned that there are three ways that we tend to make decisions as people. Three ways. The first way is that we, many of us always discern, but we never decide. And that's just a fancy way of saying that we know how to delay making decisions. Maybe because of fear of failure, anxiety. Many of us always know how to discern. Have you made a decision? I'm still discerning. I'm still discerning. And what that means is I'm nervous. I don't want to make a decision yet. Others of us, we don't have that problem. Our problem is that we're always deciding and never discerning. 
that our decisions are rooted in anxiety, that our decisions are rooted in being impulsive, that our decisions are rooted in the pressures around us, and we feel like we need to just make a decision without taking the time to actually discern. But where we want to be as the people of God is to make decisions from a place of discernment. Somebody say amen. Making decisions from a place of discernment. And as we think about discernment, it's important to get clear on what this word means. Last week, I gave one definition of what discernment is. I want to offer a couple more so that we can really wrap our minds around what we mean when we say discernment. A great author by the name of Gordon Smith once said that to discern is to make a distinction between the voice of Jesus and those competing voices that invariably speak in our hearts and minds. To discern is to make a distinction between the voice of Jesus and the other voices that tend to fill our hearts and mind. There's another wonderful definition of discernment by uh, James Manny. He says that discernment is good judgment, wisdom, and the ability to distinguish between the sound and the unsound, the true and the false, the good and the bad, and also the better from the merely good. And as we look at this passage today in Philippians chapter 2, I want us to pay particular attention to the idea that our hearts, our feelings, our desires, our emotions play a significant role in how Jesus leads us and how he wants us to integrate these things into the discernment and decision-making process. Now, one of the things you have to learn about the Bible and note about the Bible is that the Bible is not an encyclopedia. The Bible is not a, a kind of text that says, okay, this is the category that we're going to explore, and these are all the things that you need to learn about this category. The Bible doesn't operate that way. The Bible operates in such a way that we must pay attention to the clues, the breadcrumbs that lead us to the truth of God. And what we look at this passage in Philippians 2, there's, I think, something that God has for us to pay attention to discerning God's will. And here's the passage again. Paul says, therefore, my dear friends... As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Let's break this verse down. First of all, Paul says that those who belong to Jesus Christ are called to live obedient lives. Amen. Those who belong to Jesus Christ are those who are, who are called to obey him. And to listen to his voice. And that is the ultimate question of discipleship. The ultimate question of being a follower of Jesus. Am I going to live my life obeying Jesus Christ? What, also, what Paul also does here is he names the urgency of obedience. The urgency of it. He says that we are called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and and trembling. I, I want to offer a quick word about this because most folks get scared about this verse. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. First of all, notice what Paul doesn't say. Paul doesn't say work for your salvation with fear and trembling. Because you can't work for your salvation. You can't earn your salvation. No amount of prayers will earn you your salvation. No amount of Bible reading will earn you your salvation. No amount of church going will earn you your salvation. No amount of ministry volunteering will earn you your salvation. You can't earn it. Why? Because it's a gift. God gives it freely. 
by God's grace and mercy and compassion. Salvation is something that we receive. Salvation is not something that we earn. Amen. And so Paul says we are to work it out. When he says work it out, that means that, means that we are to live it out. To live out our salvation with fear and trembling. And that fear and trembling language is really important because what Paul is saying is our lives, the decisions that we make, there's a sacred quality to it. There's a holy quality to our decisions. There's something that God wants us to pay attention to with our lives, that, our, that the decisions that we make are consequential, that they matter, that they're holy, that they are sacred. That we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And then verse 13, we see some good news. For it is God who works in you. God works in you. We can't really see it in the, in the English text, but in the Greek language, it, it sounds something like this. You are to work at it, being able to do so, because God himself is at work. Work it out. Because God is working in. Work it out. Now work it out. Now work it out. Now work it out. <laughs> Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, work it out. Because God is working in. And so Paul makes an important distinction here. The Holy Spirit is always working in you. Stirring inside of you seeking to move you in particular directions. The Holy Spirit is at work at this moment, working in. And the invitation of the sermon is to pay attention to the Spirit stirring so that we can work it out. God is working in. Now, what Paul doesn't say is what that actually means. What does it mean that God is working in? And what I think we can, the conclusion we can come to is God is using all the material happening inside our lives to help us discern his will. All of the material, the feelings of our interior life, the emotions that we are invited to pay attention to our hearts because that's where God is stirring within our hearts. Now, this is something that many Christians have difficulty with. Because we often have a very narrow understanding of the heart, especially as it relates to discerning God's will. And we have a Bible verse for it. In Jeremiah 17, 9, this is the verse that tends to take up all of our theology as it relates to our heart. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And so many people, especially in the church, believe that we cannot trust our hearts. Why? Because of this verse here. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? On one end of the spectrum, the, the, the church, many Christians say, you can't trust your heart. But I want to help to balance out this verse here. Is this true? Yes, this is true. But it's not the full truth. And that's the thing, when you read the Bible, we have to hold on the paradoxes, we have to hold on the tensions, because in the Old Testament, there's another verse that I want you to pay attention. It's not just Jeremiah 17, it's Ezekiel 36, where the, where the prophet says, I will give you a new heart, and the new spirit, I will put a new spirit in you, amen. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This is a prophetic word that when the Holy Spirit comes, amen, that God and the Spirit gives us a new heart. 
that God gives us new desires, that God gives us a new mind, that we have the possibility now and the capability and the capacity to actually do God's will because God gives us a new heart. Now, the reality that we must live with is this tension because we're still living in a world marked by sin. But the Holy Spirit has come. And so what is it? Which one is it? Is it the heart is deceitful or I will give you a new heart? And the answer biblically is yes. That the heart tends to be deceptive. And we have a way of looking inward in such a way at the same time, brothers and sisters. The Holy Spirit has given us a new heart and a new mind. When Jesus comes, he doesn't come to give us new rules. He comes to give us new hearts. To align our lives with his will. That the Holy Spirit right now is moving inside of you. Seeking to, to, to invite you to saying yes to the will of God. Which means that we can pay attention to our heart. I love what St. Augustine did. One of my favorite quotes from St. Augustine. He says, as it relates to this, he says, Love God and do whatever you please. Some of you are like, what? They love God and do whatever you please. But then he qualifies it. Listen to this. Listen closely. For the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. What's that mean? Well, it means that if your life is about loving God, you want to actually do God's will. Those who don't love God say, it's easy to say, I love God and I'm doing whatever I want to do. That's not loving God. Love God and do whatever you please. Why? Because if, if your soul is trained to love God, you want to do God's will. You want to make decisions in such a way that honor God. You want to make decisions in such a way that glorifies God, that, that, that recognizes the holiness to his name. But this means we must pay attention to our hearts. And yet for Christians, for many Christians, we have a hard time paying attention to our hearts, especially our desires, our joy. Our hopes. I had a conversation with a friend who was doing really well in the fashion industry and uh, had a wonderful, uh, flourishing career. And one day she asked me a question. She said, I, I, I feel stuck. I need to make an important decision because I was invited by a church to leave my job and work for the church. And I'm just so torn as to whether I should do this. And so I said, well, let me ask you a, a few questions as you are seeking to discern God's will in this area. And, and I said, uh, do you love your job? She says, yes. Do, do you feel like you're doing God's will at this job? She said, yes. I said, do you feel joy going to the job? Yes. Do you feel peace, the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Uh, how would you feel if you worked in this new place? She said, miserable. I said, what's the problem? What's the problem? <laughs> What's going on here? What is the problem? And then what she said made perfect sense. She said after that that she thought that doing God's will meant that she always needed to be experiencing pain. That to do God's will means that I always have to be experiencing some pain. In short, she had zero theology of the heart, of, de of desires. She believed that you know it's God's will, this is her thinking, when you don't want to do it. 
And so many of us have that particular theology. How do you know it's God's will? I don't want to do it. And God wants to make my life miserable. And don't get me wrong, there are plenty of places in Scripture where God told someone to do something that they didn't want to do. He said, Jonah, I want you to preach to the Ninevites. He said, I don't want to do it. He said, you're going to do it anyway. I'm calling you to do it. But that's one example. There's, there's other examples in which we are called to listen to the desires of our hearts and to listen closely to the Holy Spirit stirring inside of us. And so the tension before us as we discern God's will is to pay attention to the inner movements of the heart, the interior life. Because what's often happening inside is there's this tug, this, this pull. It reminds me of those images where, those cartoons where you see an angel on one shoulder or, and a demon on the other, kind of just kind of persuading us to go this way or that way. Or my, my better rendition of this is, is, is Kermit and Dark Kermit, where, uh, you know, uh, me, I, I ate clean all day, feeling great. Also me, it's 11 p.m., eat the entire tub of ice cream. You know what I'm saying? It's like we got this thing going on inside of us, this, this pull to either direction. And so what, what, we, what we must be mindful of is the heart plays a significant role. Now, in the church, we have a tendency not to trust our hearts. The world is in the opposite direction. Because the world says, you should listen to your heart no matter what. If it feels good, you should do it. Does it make you happy? Then go for it. And that is the only lens by which to make decisions. And so the church often doesn't trust our hearts. The world often doesn't test our hearts. And what we're invited to do is to listen and to discern our hearts. What do we need? We need what the Bible calls a discernment of spirits. Of discernment of spirits. Now, that's an important phrase, and I want to show you that uh, really there's about three meanings to this phrase, discernment of spirits. It has to do with doctrine, demons, and decisions. Doctrine, demons, and decisions. That language of discernment of spirits, doctrinally, comes out of 1 John 4, where it says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. What John is saying here is this relates to doctrine, that people were saying that Jesus Christ was not risen from the dead. And what he's saying is you need to test those things. You need to examine those things critically. And so when we discern spirits, first of all, we're talking doctrine in this context here. But also we are called to discern the spirits as it relates to demonic activity. That there's certain things that, that the evil one is at, is, is at work as well. And what we must learn to do is to discern within us and around us what is the voice of God and what is the voice of the evil one. What is the voice of affirmation and what is the worst words of words of and voice of condemnation. And what we must learn to do is to distinguish the voice from the evil one and the voice of the Father, which is an ongoing reality and invitation that we're called to do. The Holy Spirit convicts us but never condemns us. The evil one condemns us. And how do we learn to make decisions? Well, it means that we must discern the evil one's voice from the father's voice. But it also relates to our decision making, discerning our spirits as it relates to decision making. And I have found a man by the name of St. Ignatius who's been very helpful in helping to flesh this out. St. Ignatius, uh, a wonderful theologian in the church, uh, said that to wrestle with discernment means we must name the true spirit and the false spirit. 
And this is how you can really explain it. The true spirit, God at work in us, is the inner pull towards God's plan, towards faith, towards hope, towards love. How do you know the Holy Spirit is pulling you? You're moving towards faith. You're moving towards hope. You're moving towards love. How do you know it's not the Holy Spirit moving you? It's a false spirit. It's this inner pull away from God's plan, away from faith, away from hope, away from love. The false spirit is referred to as the evil spirit or the enemy of human nature. At New Life, we've talked about true spirit and false spirit in the language of consolations and desolation. Consolations are the things that bring us towards God. Desolations are the thing that move us away from God. And as we seek to discern God's will, we must pay attention to the inner movement of the Spirit through our consolations and through our desolations. Now, it's important to say that God speaks in many different ways. And as we discern God's will, sometimes God helps us to make decisions because things happen on the outside that help us get clarity on the inside. For example, when I, when I became a Christian, I wondered whether God was calling me to be a preacher. As a 19-year-old, I, I felt like this inner pull towards faith, this inner pull towards love, this inner pull towards hope. And I wondered, this God, is God calling me to be a preacher? And the reason I wondered that was because I had some experience growing up of, of being in, in front of people and crowds. You see, my, my, my father was a DJ. I was a rapper. And um, my name was Little Rick. And, um, and I had all these raps, and I was rapping before people. And, 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 and to this day, I still remember my raps. Anybody want to hear one of my raps? You want to hear one of my raps here? Uh, Um, are you serious? You want to you hear the rap here? All right. <laughs> all right, this is for you, Teddy. Um, all, right, all right, here it is. This, is. this is one of the raps. All right. Can any good come out of East New York? Pick an Ave, Elton Street, where I learned to walk. With my eyes wide open like a skeptical hawk. In my formative years, yeah, I learned to talk. Like a tough guy, really, but I was no hulk. But you got to maintain. It was in my brain to make something of my life, so I went to Lane. No studies, but you know I played those games. No goals in life, but had gold chains. But all that changed. My life rearranged by an act of grace. Now let me explain. All right, that's all you got to. That's all you got. That's all you got. That's all. That's it. That's it. That's it. Come on, somebody. I do baby showers. I do birthday parties. I'll give you my card after the service. I'll give you my card after the service. Where was I? Uh... Discerning God's will. Okay, discerning God's will. God often speaks from the outside and confirms what we want to do. For example, when I became a Christian, I wondered, am I called to preach? That's what I was talking about. I was wondering whether I was called to preach. And I pray, Lord, can you show me? And in the first six months after my conversion to Jesus as a 19-year-old, there were six preachers who visited our church over a six-month span and would give prophetic words 
over teenagers, over young adults. And every time someone came, they would say, young man in the back, could you stand up? And, and God has a word for you, and God's called you to preach, and God's called you to prophesy. And, God's call- and then another guy would come who didn't know him and say, young man, God's calling you to do this, and God's calling you to do that. And, and it was in that that God was confirming inside of me that what I was sensing was true. And may our church be a place where we can prophesy over each other. May our church be a place where we speak life over each other. May our church be a place where we hear the words of Jesus, not just for us, but for each other. And so the word comes from the outside. But here's the problem, brothers and sisters. If we're always waiting for a word from the outside, that could very easily lead to spiritual laziness. In which we're no longer seeking God for ourselves. And we're looking to everyone else. Do you have a word for me? Do you have a word for me? Do you have something for me? Is there something? And God's saying, I have a word for you. If you would just settle down and calm down and allow yourself to hear my voice. Consolation. Desolation. A woman by the name of Margaret Silf, she said that we have this inner compass, this inner compass of consolation and desolation. How do you know you're in consolation? Well, our focus is directed outside and beyond ourselves. How do you know the Holy Spirit is moving inside of you? It bonds us more closely to others. It generates new inspiration and ideas. It restores balance and refreshes our inner vision. It shows us where God is active in our lives and where he is leading us. It releases new energy in us. I heard one question a number of years ago that helped me to make better sense of discerning God's will. And the question was this. Which path, as you're discerning God's will, which path makes you more generous with your life? It's a wonderful question. Which path, I'm not talking about generous with your money, generous with your life, generous with your time, generous with your energy. Which path makes you more generous? That's consolation. But desolations does the opposite. Desolations turns us in on ourselves. It drives us deeper into our own negative feelings. It cuts us off from others. It makes us want to give up on things that used to be important to us. It drains us of energy. And the, the insight that Ignatius gives is that when you're experiencing consolations and desolations, there is a response to this. When you're experiencing consolation, we are called to test it. When we're experiencing desolation, we must not decide. Now hear this. It's very easy to make decisions very quickly based on consolation and desolation. And so romantically, you meet someone, and after a week, you're like, I- I'm ready to get married. Do you know his last name? No, but, but, but you just, you feel, you're feeling great. So you're like, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. The consolation, it might be good, but let's test it. You know, meet the family. Uh, stick a while for a little bit. Guys, see how, see how that person is during spring and summer and, and winter and fall. Spend at least four seasons with them before you start saying, I'm ready to go down the road. Or it's desolations. Where we, how many of you know and have made decisions in desolation that 24 hours later you're going, I made a mistake. That you, you allow yourself to be so uh, absorbed in the moment that you just made a big decision in a moment of desolation. When in consolation tested, when in desolation, we must hold off. And as we think about all this, what Paul invites us into and what God invites us into is being present to our interior life. Why? Because God is working in right at this moment. As I close, I want you to pay attention to the last two words of verse 13. 
because it's an important word for all of us as we're seeking to discern God's will and as we're seeking to pay attention to what's happening in our interior life. Paul says that God has a good purpose for us. Good purpose. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do you know that God has a good purpose for you? God has dreams for you. God has desires for you. God has a future for you. God has hope for you. God has purpose for you. God has significance for you. God has a good purpose for your life. And some of you came into church saying, what is my purpose? I don't know. You're, you're wandering aimlessly in God. The word of the Lord to you is God has a good purpose for your life. And what is the invitation? The invitation is that the Holy Spirit is moving inside of you right now. At work, stirring in your heart right now. And what he's inviting us into is to actually pause our lives to listen. Because ultimately God has a good purpose for our lives. Let's pray together. Let me invite you to close your eyes for a moment as the worship team comes forward. And I imagine that this month and coming months, there are some important areas to discern God's will for your life. And maybe today you're finally receiving the truth that one of the ways that God leads us is by the inner witness of the Holy Spirit moving in and through us. And discipleship, spiritual formation, following Jesus, a major part of it is slowing down our lives to the point where we can listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. What's the Spirit working in you this day? What desires is the Holy Spirit producing in you? How does the Holy Spirit want you to pay attention to your anger and your anxiety and your hopes and your dreams, your grief, your joys? All these things are Material that the Holy Spirit uses to help us discern God's will. Lord Jesus, may we pay attention to you, for you are always at work, working in us so that we may work it out. And so, Lord, help us, give us a greater capacity, a greater sense of urgency to pay attention to what you're doing inside of us. For we know that you have created us for a good purpose. Would you lead us to that good purpose, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing together. The atmosphere's changed now. The Spirit of the Lord is here.
sing that chorus out one more time. Spirit of God. Spirit of God, fall fresh on us. Let's lift our hands. We need your presence. Yes, Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Hear us in heaven. With everything we have, let's sing that out. That's our prayer. Spirit, fall fresh. We need your presence. I'd like to have our prayer team come to my right, to your left. We need every outpouring of the Holy Spirit to do God's will. This is not simply more willpower. This is not me simply being more Disciplined, we need the Spirit of God to do something in us that we can't do for ourselves. This is more than just trying to work it up. We work it out. Why? Because the Spirit is working in. And we need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the reasons why we end our time in prayer for one another, giving you an opportunity to respond to the invitations of God. We have our prayer team here, and maybe you came into church today needing a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit's power in your life, a fresh outpouring of the grace of God in your life. One of my favorite definitions of God's grace is that grace is what God does in you and through you that you can't do for yourself. And we need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to move us towards doing the will of God. Maybe you came into church today and you are struggling, trying to figure out what God has for you. Or maybe you have been so bound by your own will. And today, the Holy Spirit has been cracking at that and saying, no, I want you, I want to soften your heart. I've given you a new heart to live into this reality that we can live in a communion of wills together. And so for whatever need you have, we'd love to pray for you. Maybe you came into church today. Maybe you're watching online and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. Can I invite you to say yes to him? To give your life to Jesus, not just part of your life, the entirety of your life to him. Can I invite you to surrender to him? To surrender to his love? To surrender to his wisdom? To surrender to his peace? You know, when you say yes to Jesus, he gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives you his spirit. 
and says, now you have within you the capability to live in accordance with my will. What a gift God gives us. And maybe today you are feeling, maybe throughout this week, last few months, something's been stirring in you. You just had a hard time naming what it is. And you go, oh, oh, that's God calling me. That's Jesus inviting me. And if you're sensing that today, you can come up for prayer. You can also text the phrase, yes to Jesus, at that number on the screen, 718-424-0122. And one of our pastors would love to follow up with you. Maybe you're watching online. Feel free to text that number to that number, and we'd love to serve you as you begin this next phase of your spiritual life. At the end of our service, we're going to have a sermon discussion time, and so if you're watching online or maybe you're in here and you want to discuss this with uh, one of our pastors, uh, there's a link on the screen that you're watching, so feel free to join us for about 30 uh, minutes for that. As we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. If you're new to our church, we end every gathering in this way because this is a sign of receiving out of which we give. God wants to, God wants to work in you so that he can work, you can work it out, out of, with fear and great trembling, recognizing the sacredness, the holiness to your life. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building and out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit, allowing God to work in you so that you may work it out. May the Holy Spirit give you ears to discern his voice in fresh ways that you would hear the whispers of the Spirit. And may God give you courage to say yes to his will. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the resurrected name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you all.